Amen. Amen. All right, I need you to get your Bibles out and go to John 18. And before I begin, I'm going to ask you permission. I want you to give me permission to preach the word. Now, I'm saying that because, and I'm being very serious, I'm not an evangelist. Did you know that? What's my title? What's pastors do? They feed. They feed sheep. Now, I love, I'll run in, I'll jump in, scream and holler and shout in church services. I love them. This one will not be that way. It should be, but it may not be. But I need you to do something. I, need, I want you to understand something. We're living, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, we live in perilous times. Where it's not coming, it's here. The time we are living in right now in this church, in this nation, is very different than 10 years ago. I want to know you're going to make it. I want to know your kids are going to make it. Is that fair? In order to do that, I'm going to preach a subject today called What is Truth? We're going to talk about things we don't, we're going to go places we don't normally go. They're not the type of stuff you do on TV to get people to buy the CDs so I have more money. Nod and look spiritual. All right. I'm, I'm going to use a book here in a few minutes called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy by Rick Renner. And he makes a statement here. He's got a forward in here by John Bevere. This book is very different than any book he ever wrote. Because it's dealing with the times we're living in. We are living in very weird, tough times. The church must rise to the occasion. Do you all agree with that? Okay. That means that, that the sermons will change. They will, there's going to have to be a change in the way pastors do their job now. The things we preach now, because of you, I want to know you're going to be fine. I want to know that when you get married, your children will be fine. I want to know that your grandchildren are fine, and that's going to cause me to talk about things that might create a little bit of an uncomfortableness to you. Do you all see that? Now, I'm saying all of that because preachers today don't preach like what I'm fixing to preach because... Because of the opinions of people. Well, I have to love truth more than I do you. Jesus says, if you love your mother, father more than me, you're not worthy of me. And so having said that, I want to I I preach a sermon called Truth. And I want to read something to you before I get started. Because I went to the Lord and I said, you know, I, I, I want to preach on the incarnation. Because that's exciting. God becoming a man. That's what I want to do this morning. But the Spirit of God began to press on my soul, don't do that. I want you to do what I want you to do. So I'm, this, is a, this is a letter that was on Facebook printed by Kenneth Copeland. And I'm going to say something. I thank God that many of the men of God in our nation are beginning to change and come back to preaching things that 10 years ago you never heard them preach. Copeland, Rick Renner, John Brevere, 
And the reason for that is the season is different. We're in a different season. All right. The chief issue in America today is truth. It's not political. It's not race. It's not Democrat and Republican. The truth is under attack. Three out of four Americans believe now there is no such a thing as absolute moral truth defining right and wrong. Three out of four. One out of two Christians believe the same thing. We have lost our love for truth and we've replaced it with personal opinion. Now, coming from my position, that is making my job more difficult. Because people walk out and go, pastor said. I don't have an opinion. I have no dog in this fight. I have his word. He didn't give me my book to preach. He gave me his book. And we need to preach more of it than we're preaching. All right. Now, listen to what I'm going to say right now. Some of what I'm going to say has to do with the world in general around us. They're crazy. But the church world has also departed. Jesus said in John 24, one of the signs of the end days, people will leave truth and walk away from the things of God. Now, I'm responsible for you. I can't stand before God and he go, what gives with your church, son? Well, you know, they didn't like me preaching those things. He's probably going to go, I really don't care what they like. I told you to preach it. So I have to battle between what you like and what he likes. And today we're going to go with what he likes. All right? And if you like what he likes, then you'll be shouting during my sermon and we'll know which ones of you there are. Is there absolute truth? Yes, there is. Where does it come from? God and the Word, the Bible. What can you or we do? You must now commit to love the truth, pray, and read your Bible every day. Pray that America will rediscover its love for truth and vote biblical truth and not your opinion. My personal truth doesn't matter. Only God's Word is absolute truth. I choose to love truth And the source of truth, God, more than my opinion. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he's the life, John 14, 6. Now, go go with me now to John 18. Are you all ready? Say, I'm ready. All right. Uh, I mean, you can shout if you want to, and the sermon will go a whole lot better. Now, notice when it goes quiet, and everybody, someone in here just jump up and go, hallelujah, right, when it starts getting quiet. John 18, 33. Let's, let's read. And Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Where did you get this information that you're asking me? And Pilate answered and said, I, Am I a Jew? Your nation, your chief priest delivered you to me, What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? 
And Jesus answered, you say rightly, I'm a king. And for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come in the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? Powerful, powerful conversation. What is truth? Who decides what it is? Right now, we've got a society around us that has decided that the government of the United States has a few people in office that they can vote right and wrong. Should that change you and I? Thank you, Nikki. See if anybody else can say amen with you in the, out there. Should that change us? No, it should not change us. I'm going to read from Rick's book, and I'm not going to read the whole book. I wish that I could. I, I, would, I wish that I was as smart as he is. This guy is like a brain in a brain. And I look at him and go, where do you get all this? Anyway, there's about seven of these books left, and if you want them. But it's one, it is an absolute must read for the times we're in because he deals with stuff that God told Timothy was coming and how to handle it. Now listen to this. We're going to talk about preachers right now. These ministries argue, ministers today argue that they're staying on the positive side of life. They are now preaching for something instead of against something. Although that is true, that the preaching of the true gospel penetrates the darkness of the world with its light, this argument does not hit the mark when God has called his spokesman to stand against the proliferation of evil. It's our job. We've got to preach things that are not comfortable. Okay. And you, if you love truth, would love it. All right. And often what we're preaching for presents a message too weak to withstand any onslaught of evil or to preserve and protect those under the care in as the days are growing darker. I have children and I have grandchildren. They're very valuable to me. I agree with a statement that I only want to give my kids hugs. But nowhere did Jesus say go in all the world and give people a hug. Without truth, your children and your grandchildren will not grow up and become adults and be normal. Do you all understand that? The job of the parent is to teach your children the word. It is not the school, it is not the government, and it's not the church's responsibility. Do your children know and understand that it's wrong to lie? Do they know it's wrong to steal? Do they have a work ethic? Do they understand sex? There comes a day, there comes a day in their life when you need to talk to them before their peers at school do. It's not a vulgar topic. It is a healthy topic, but mama and daddy need to talk to them about sex before marriage, having a boy respect you as a woman, 
you're not a car he's driving until he finds out whether he likes you or not. If you love me, put a ring on my finger, give me your last name, buy me a house, and I will have all the sex with you I want. But, but somebody's got to have a conversation with the kids that it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve. And that, parents, is your job. Now, understand something. If you love them, give them truth. Now, hopefully, you did this when they were young. If you did not, you have a fight on your hand now. So as a grandparent, you are still responsible for what they know. You might want to invite them out to McDonald's for ice cream. And get them to converse with you. Because they still need guidance. A garden left alone will grow weeds. A child left alone will grow weeds. The school has them five days a week. I get them maybe one day a week. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked your child, do you want to go to school today or do you want to stay home? Why do you ask them if they want to go to church? I never asked my boys if they wanted to go to church. I told them they're going to church. I didn't ask my boys to pray. I taught them to pray. I didn't ask them, oh, I don't like to read the Bible. Well, you're going to learn. You learn to read in school, you can learn to read the Bible. And so Lisa had a time called Bible time, and, um, and they still, to this day, they still read their Bible and pray. All of them. Amen. Now, train a child, the word train in the Greek means as a horse. You don't ask a horse if he wants to come out of the barn and go to town. You tell the horse he wants to come out of the barn and go to town with you on his back. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. So we have a responsibility today to make sure that our families know truth. That may create uncomfortableness, but whether it does or not, you're not their friend, you're their parent. Thank y'all. Now that's what I just said is very controversial already because we've got people who've already left this church because of what I just said. All I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have to hear it. You are correct, you don't. But I'm going to tell you this. Your, your kids will not turn out right. And your grandkids will not. And are you okay with you making heaven and them not being there? Are you okay with that? And you might want to make some adjustments. Y'all went quiet. <laughs> Say, I love my pastor. <laughs> Do you guys have any idea how difficult this is? In a society where this won't sell no tapes. <laughs> Nobody's going to be beating the door. I got to get that CD. If you do, it'll be because you got someone in your family going, they need to hear that. Let me read a little bit more. Dire consequences have resulted from this widespread retreat by many ministers from preaching God's word on serious topics when the word clearly does address that subject. The modern church has become populated 
with large numbers of people who live in sin, yet demonstrate no conviction of sin. And these people carry on as if it's normal for a Christian to live in a backslidden state while expecting God to bless them. You can tell anybody in this church you want to, you're living together, but don't tell me. Because you may not like what I say to you. Okay. And um, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, Woe when all men speak well of you. I have not that well. <laughs> I, I want to be popular. I want to be liked. But I'm going to tell you something. I've already made enemies in my own family. Okay. I don't want to sound negative. This is him uh, talking again. I don't want to sound negative, but the situation I just described is very grave as it stands in this hour. To bring the church back to where God wants it to be will require great courage on the part of God's leaders, his spokesmen. They must be willing to acknowledge the present sad condition of large portions of the church. Then they must rise up and both publicly and privately refute every form of deception with a steadfast stance on God's truth, regardless of the consequences to them personally. Now, I'm going to mention a minister's name, and I do it whenever they do something really right. It's okay. Andrew Womack on public television several years ago began to deal with the subject of homosexuality. And he made a statement when he did. He said, it has cost me um, people who give into my ministry. I've lost quite a few people. Partners. God bless him. Because we have a, a society that needs men of God to quit worrying about their ministries and their money and preach the word. Amen. And you understand that I know, I know that I'm going to say things that may rub you the wrong way. And we'll never see you again. That's how you vote. People vote in church. Oh, we ain't never going back there again. All right. And I understand that. So whenever you see the church getting thinner... It's not on a diet. <laughs> y'all are doing good. I, boy, y'all are doing good. Go, go with me now to John 8. Swing back to John 8. Let's read something here. When I got born again, and I'm talking to the ones of you that hadn't been saved long, I came out of the world and I understand the pull of it. I came out of dope smoking, beer drinking, hell raising, drag racing, going in a store, taking things that I didn't pay for. I came out of that world. And when I walked the aisle and I got born again, I had to make a cut, a total cut. I didn't have a good church to go to. I knew enough that if I don't take the rock and roll music and the Playboy magazines and put them in a dumpster, I'm not going to make it. And when the Lord said to me, clean the house, I cleaned my house. And for a little while, I didn't even have a friend. It was just me and my Bible. But I had to make a decision because I'd already made up my mind. I do not want to go back to that way of living. That was hell on earth. And I want to walk with God. It, something's got to be better than the way I'm living. 
What I'm talking about is a very radical life. I am a radical man. I love Jesus and I love the Bible. To the degree you love Jesus, you love truth. To the degree you love truth, you love Jesus. And if you have no stomach for truth, you have rejected Jesus Christ. That may be a strong statement, but it's absolutely true. So I'm going to read to you from John 8, 31. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Let's stop here for a minute and let me explain something to you. There is no such thing in the Bible as a convert. You are not converted to Christianity from heathenism. You are At the point of you being born again, you bowed your knee and you came under Jesus' authority and you made him Lord. That means you come under the word of God and now you have become a disciple of his. If you're not a disciple, then I'm going to question your Christianity. I don't mean that some of you are not born again, but you definitely need to hear what I'm about to preach. Life is not going to go well with you until you come under authority. Now, having said that, you understand that he gave me the book. I didn't write anything in it. I don't have an opinion, and you don't either. I love it. All right. I got three amens and a... Okay. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, there is nothing going to keep you free but truth. Nothing. You're either going to embrace it, or you're going to be bound up. You're going to be bound by sin. You're going to be bound by devils. You're going to be bound. You are going to go into slavery. Outside of truth, you're going to enter slavery. The problem in America today is we in this nation have abandoned truth. What we're doing in Washington right now and Texas and Pennsylvania is not political. It is spiritual. We do not care what God says. There needs to be people in this nation right now thrown into prison. And I don't care what the Supreme Court says, because the Supreme Court said so. Now, the church is sadly lacking because we have walked away from absolute truth. Not everybody, but way too many Christians. When Kenneth Copeland said 50%, I think he's right. I've actually had people in this church look at me and say, that's your truth, not mine. And I went, I don't have a truth. I don't even have an opinion. I had an opinion until I got saved. And then he gave me his opinion, and mine don't matter. Thank y'all. Okay, good. So my question is, are you a disciple? So you got to ask yourself, am I a disciple? Do you know the truth? Do you know how a person gets saved? Do you know what a Christian is? Do you know the truth of the Holy Ghost? Do you know who the devil is? 
The Bible says your adversary, your pastor. Your adversary, your spouse. Your adversary, your mama. Who's the adversary? The devil's the adversary. Who do you think is stirring up this nation? The devil's stirring it up. It says in the book of Revelation, in the last days, he's going to come down with great wrath. We have a spiritual war that can only be won with this. If we don't have a revival of truth, this nation will go under. But I'm not going to let it happen while I'm alive. Say, me too. All right. That means that all of us in this room have adjustments to make. So let's talk about this for a minute. How many of you have ever gardened? Never. You never gardened. Have you ever noticed that you hoe more than you think you should? If you're not going to hoe, you will not have vegetables. It seems like the weeds, the moment you walk away, they get together and go, he's gone. You are going to weed and feed till the day you die. You're going to pick up a Bible and read it and go, oops, got to make that adjustment. Oops, I got to make that adjustment. That's why you've got to return to the Word of God and actually read the book. Without it, you're going to get off. All right. Yeah, thank you, Zach. I, I, it, it, is, it is so good. Okay, Matthew 28, 19. Pop it up on the screen. I just want you to see this on the screen. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go into all the world and make converts of all nations and teach them to hug one another. Don't you wish. Go into all the world and make what? Didn't say anything about a convert. He said, you go and make disciples. Now look at what a disciple is. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, look at the next one. Teach them to do what I said. Pretty plain. Go teach them what I said. He did not ask us our opinion. There's no room in there for what do you think. That is the job of every pastor, and thus the job of every parent in this room. Teach your children to do what he said. Your opinion does not matter. All right. When I'm preaching on tithing, he didn't ask me what I thought. He didn't ask you what you thought. He just said, teach it. So you come along and say, you said, and I go, I was reading. Because the easiest thing in the world to do is to blame the man and you instead of saying, I don't agree with God. You can disagree with me. So let's talk about opinions for a minute. You say, but I have my opinion. That's okay when we're talking about ice cream. And the car you drive or the shoes you wear. You have an opinion. You want pistachio and I want coconut. And you know what? Your opinion matters. But when it comes to the word of God, you and I have got to make an adjustment and go, 
I don't have an opinion here. I have no dog in this fight. Now, society today has pulled away from God having any say-so in their life. And many Christians have pulled away from God having any say-so. And this is what they say. You go to church, I'm saved. You read your Bible, I don't have time. That's a lie. We'll get into that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go to Matthew 7. Y'all are doing good. I'm excited that this group of people is working with me so well. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say something about my personality. I appear to be rough. I'm really a big, big teddy bear. I like being liked. And I hate preaching stuff that you go. But I love God more than I do you. I'm actually scared of him. He scales me. (laughs) I have had him get on to me before. You are nothing compared to him. I've had him shake me in my shoes. I was down in... Cuba one time preaching, and he said, what are you doing down here? I said, going all the world? He said, I didn't tell you to come down here, go home. I mean, y'all, I felt like he took his fist and hit me in my gut. Like, go home, like a dog. Go, dog. I got in a plane and came home, and I didn't leave my office for months. I love him, but he's God, and he thinks he's God. So I'm going to read something to you that I think we've kind of missed, and as I read it, maybe you shouldn't try to follow me. I just want to make a point here, and I'm going to be reading through pieces of the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to pick up on phrases he said. Uh, he starts off by, blessed are the, 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 the poor in spirit, there's the kingdom of heaven. He's going down talking about who's blessed. And he says, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. And then he gets down, he says, don't think I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. And, and if I say to you, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle by any means will of the law be. And he starts off by saying something very strange to their ears, I said, he's either God or he's crazy. He's setting himself up as the authority. I, you heard it said, I said. Now listen as we go on down. Therefore, whoever breaks these commandments will be called least But I say, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes, and you've heard it said of old, you shall not murder. But I say, if you're even angry with your brother, bring your gift to the altar. You leave your gift there. You be reconciled and and, and agree with your adversary. For I say, you're not getting out. And you've heard it said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I said, if you're even checking her out, 
And furthermore, it has been said. Now, all the people he's quoting are Moses. He's setting himself up above Moses. And they know it. Now, imagine being in the hillside. People have been healed, raised from the dead. Everybody's enamored. And he sits down and he starts going, in my kingdom, I say. Very different sermon they had ever heard in their entire life. So much so, the Pharisees said, who do you think you are? I ask you that question. Who is he? Is he Lord? Come underneath. Because he's got a lot to say. And he didn't ask you your opinion. Or mine. All right. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye for a tooth for a tooth, but I say. And you have heard it said, you love your neighbors, but I say. And he goes on and he goes on and he goes on talking about all he said. And then at the very end of it, 28, chapter 7, 28 says, And Jesus ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. He taught them as one who had authority. Now think about this for a minute. You're there in the Sermon on the Mount. You're hearing him say all this. And he has just trashed out every prophet and Moses and said, from this day forward. And they had a problem with that. Therefore, they took him and nailed him to a cross and killed him. Who do you think you are? Well, I've had people say to me, I was preaching one day on something, and I says, if, if you know this and this person, they'll go to hell. And a person looked at me and said, who do you think you are? Who gave you the right to decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell? I said, nobody. I was reading. <laughs> Folks, listen to me. There's people going, 80% of the people in the United States of America are going to hell. That's too many people. And it's not okay with God. Abortion is murder. Doesn't matter what you think. Homosexuality is wrong. Don't matter what you think. And this nation is going to have to come to grips with this. And I think sometimes we need to stop and pick up our Bible and go, what do you think about this? To the degree you love this, you love the Lord. I'm not sitting there in your living room right now, but I want you to think, because it really went quiet. And people, you can tell the ones that aren't doing so good because they slip in their chair. You get four inches shorter real quick. Hebrews chapter 5. Whose job is it to make disciples? It's ours. Don't go, don't go quiet on me. Whose job is it? It's our job. Folks, it's where Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Light is truth. If you're not walking in truth and sharing truth, you're not a light. You are the problem. Say amen or oh me. Amen. Just do one or the other right now. Amen. You owe me. You can go owe me. That's right. Paul's over there going, oh. <laughs> Hebrews 5, 12. 
By this time, you ought to be teachers. He's not talking about the fivefold ministry. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. The church of Jesus Christ, the charismatic movement, has been built on milk and milkshakes. Now, I, listen to me. I love milk. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to preach on the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, God becoming a human being so that he could walk among us, and that's milk. And I'm looking forward to it, and I want you to come back and not feel bad that we're having milk day. <laughs> we need milk. Desire the sincere milk that you could grow. But everybody knows at some point in a child's life, mamas help me, you got to sit them in the high chair, don't open the jar, God that's the nastiest, why that kid's spitting out for a reason, that kid's not stupid, But Lisa would cook the peas and mash them. There comes a time when you're going to have to feed them food. And there comes a time when you're going to mash it up and you're going to spoon feed them. And this is how you do it. It's an airplane. We open the hangar. Close their lips and go, don't fit it out. But they got to get off of milk. Folks, there's a day that we... Have to get off of milk. I love Rick Renner's books. I love reading them. I can't read them all week because it's very heavy to read. It's heavy to eat meat all the time. It's heavy to eat hard food. Your body needs good food, but you can't just eat beef all the time. But you should eat it sometimes. Everyone, verse 13, who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. We've created a society of baby Christians. One of the problems with the seeker-sensitive movement, it grew large churches. But when a problem hit them, they fell away. They were not ready for life. Because you can't spoon feed people every Sunday without them having an encounter with truth. I was sitting in front of my TV right after I got born again. Pat Robinson was preaching. I didn't have a job. And he quoted a scripture. Any man that doesn't work, doesn't eat, he's worse than an infidel. I turned the TV off and went and got a job. I mean, it was God, like, oh, my God, I'm a sinner. And I, I mean, it was just like the word hit me, like, oh. And, I, and, it, and I, I never even thought about getting a job. I'm on unemployment. Someone's giving me money. Until that scripture hit me, and that was some meat in my diet, and God went, bam, get a job, boy. And I'm like, whoa, and I left the house, never finished the rest of the program, got in my truck, drove down the road and said, I need a job, I need a job. The Word of God has been doing that to me for 45 years. I'm reading it and go, oh, I need to make a change. And then I read it sometimes and go, Lisa needs to read this. 
How many of y'all are married? How many of you have ever read a scripture that you wish your spouse read? You got So here's how you do it. You mark it, and you lay it in their chair, and they come along, and they close the book and throw it off, and they pick up something else, and you're like, rats, God, how do I get her to read that? Husbands, wives, respect your husbands. Where's that scripture? No, I'm too. Women do it too. It's like, oh, honey, I have a new book for you. On love and giving and diamonds. Okay. Never mind. Marriage is fun. If you love Jesus. Go to Proverbs 23, 23. What a powerful scripture I'm about to read. Don't you love the Holy Ghost? I sweated all night to preach before I preached this. I'm like, God, take this cup from me. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I didn't get an amen out of the whole first service. No, I got one. I said, amen, time to go home. And they said, amen, and they left. <laughs> not true, not true. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Proverbs 23, 23. Look at this scripture. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Buy the truth. What is valuable to you? Um, I own a new truck. Apparently, I thought it was worth the money, or I would not have given them my money for that truck. The addition that Lisa and I did on our house, apparently, we thought it was worth it, or we would not have done it and, and, incur, and incurred a debt. Everything you own right now, you thought it was worth it or you would not have bought it. Until you desire truth, you will not pay the price to get it. It is not going to fall on your head. Well, I don't have time. Yeah, you do. And you say, well, I don't have the money. Show me your cell phone and tell me you don't have any money. Show me your Disney plan. Show me your massage parlor certificate where you go every month and tell me you don't have any money. You have money and time. Are you all out there or did you go home? We all have time, but we're spending it maybe unwisely. We have time for truth, but you're going to make the time. I want to come in your house, and I will not. But I want to see your bookshelf, and I want to see how many of my books you bought. Well, they're expensive. So is sin. So is ignorance. Ignorance is very expensive. He said, buy the truth and sell it not. And what that means is you've got to have a healthy pursuit. I want to know what God thinks about this. When I got born again, I knew one scripture, guys. I knew one. And I wanted to know what he thought about everything. Now, I'm not smarter than you are. Well, some of y'all I am. Paul, I wasn't just looking at you, so don't. 
But it's not to the smart. The race is not to the fast. We learn that from the turtle. It's the one who just keeps on going. You and I must have a desire to know what God thinks about things. We have a listen, just hold, hold your horses with me. The charismatic movement created a mess. Do you know who's sitting in this room right now? Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalians, Catholics, and heathens. Do you know that most of y'all still hold your unscriptural, ungodly, stupid doctrines? You talk in tongues and you're ignorant as a rock. And that's my congregation. And if you're in a Baptist church, everybody believes the same wrong doctrine. But in this one, only a third of you believe that wrong doctrine. It makes it very difficult because I've got a schoolroom full of kids from first grade to college and I'm trying to teach you out the same book. All right. We've created a mess because we have never preached doctrine in church because people don't have a palate for it. Thrill me, thrill me. Pastor Morgan preach a sermon and thrill me, thrill me. I want to go home feeling good. Y'all want me to sing Satan's last song? I did it my way. Oh, never mind. (laughs) Buy the truth and sell it not. What does that mean? Do you have any idea how many of y'all relatives are trying to stop you from believing what you believe? Do you have any idea how many people in the world right now are arguing with you over what you believe and telling you you're wrong? It is very unpopular right now to believe the way we believe. You are like a homophobic, hate-mongering, racist idiot if you believe the Bible. I mean, who do you think you are? And by the way, put your mask on. (laughs) I want to... I want a, I want a, a Lone Ranger mask. And the next time somebody gets, tells me to put my mask on, I'm going to put it on. Pull my gun out. Never mind. I'm not really. That would not go over very well. <laughs> I'm glad I'm enjoying myself finally. I want to read some more. Thank you. Say, say, read on, baby, read on. I love this book. Speaking up today has become more difficult in modern society because, as mentioned earlier, the big issue is not truth but respect. Truth has taken a back seat to the concept of honoring other people's beliefs, even if those beliefs are diametrically opposed to the doctrines of your Bible. It's Adam and Eve, girl. It ain't Adam and Steve. That'll cause you trouble. Who's the guy that started the virus thing? What's the? Fauci? 
He's the Grinch. That's a revelation I finally got. I'm sorry, I'm getting kind of... As a result, the Word of God has been demoted and relegated to a diminished position in the modern mindset as just one options among many. According to this inclusive mindset, everyone is right and no one is wrong. Unfortunately, in the Western world, this is not just the mindset of those outside the church. It is the way many Christians are now leaning. All right. Everyone except those who hold fast and carefully guard biblical and moral absolutes. In fact, the new culture is a collective refusal to come under submission to God's absolutes as stated in the word. This new culture of honor excludes Bible-believing Christians and is, in fact, dishonoring God and His holy, eternal, immutable, uncontroversial Word. Meanwhile, it is generally suggested that no one has the right to imply that someone is wrong in the way she applies Bible principles. I haven't. I, you, I, I will look at you and tell you you're wrong. This may sound very narrow to you. Why do we have dead denominations that are still sitting in the relic of a revival that's been dead for 50 years? We don't believe in tongues. We don't believe in healing. We don't even believe the Bible. And yet there are still people sitting in those congregations every Sunday. That's called rebellion. Now that is not a very popular thing I just said. Because some of your relatives are there right now. And you bring up any subject in the Bible, and they will tell you, I don't want to hear that. What, that's not, we don't agree. That's, I don't agree with him. He didn't, you already. I'm going to go deeper. He didn't ask you whether you wanted to be filled. He told you, don't you leave Jerusalem. That was a commandment, not a suggestion. Go into all the world. That's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Uh, This may not go over well. Jesus may be more like Trump than you think. Okay. I'm not quite sure. Now, I already told you we're going to have people not like it. I think our society has lost sight of what a man is. A man is a warrior. And when you go to war with Hitler, you better by God have a patent. And will he be mean? I watched Patton the other night with Justin, and they got reprimanded. And I, I love the part in the movie where this boy comes in because he's afraid. And Patton pulls his gloves out and slaps him upside the head and said, You're just a coward. I went, Amen. <laughs> you got guys laying in this hospital bleeding, and you're in here, your little coward, spiny self. You get out of this hospital, and you get, I mean, he's mad. Well, then he had to come back and apologize to that little boy. It's quiet in here, y'all. I mean, y'all need to watch the Patton movie, maybe. 
It's got a cuss word in it, so you need to get a little bleeper. Bleep, bleep, bleep the words. But I think America has lost sight of manhood. Have we lost sight of courage? It's going to take courage to bring this nation back to God. And right now, there are some people in Pennsylvania and Georgia that need to be in the state penitentiary. I'll come back over behind the pulpit and now I can go non-political on you. You know, I don't know who I tick off until next week. <laughs> I love all of y'all. I really, I really do. It takes a lot of courage to preach truth in society. It, do y'all know how hard it was to stay open? I caught it. People are going to die. They might. But did y'all know people got born again that week, the next week, the next week? You know, Miss Derry here came and got baptized Easter Sunday because we were open. And I'm going to tell you something about the next time. We'll be open, except Wednesday. I want to read some more. This open-minded approach to the Bible maintains that it is unfair to assert that Scripture alone has the absolute foundation for truth. Even when it comes to the most basic beliefs, this mindset promotes the possibility that what we believe could be wrong or that others may equally right, but with a different approach. As a result, we are living at a time when people exalt their personal beliefs founded on compromise, family of origin, environment, and emotions over the truth of the Bible. Well, you don't know how I feel. Feelings will change. Truth does not. Change to the truth, and don't worry about what your feelings say. Facts change. Truth does not. All right. Once a person has concluded that there is no absolute truth, That person has reached another conclusion by default that no one has the moral authority to bring correction to someone else regarding faith, truth, and belief. This is refashioned camouflage for the ancient sin called rebellion. Rick, I'm going to close you now. That's all they can handle. (laughs) Now, don't go home and say I said that. I did not. Go to Genesis chapter 3. No, Genesis. I'm, I, Galatians, Genesis chapter 3. I want to I read a story in the Bible as though it never happened. What if? Well, I'm going to read it the way it says in the Bible first. And then we're going to read it in the what if. Genesis 3.1. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. And the Lord had made, and he said to the woman, Has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We'll eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but the fruit in the, in the middle of the garden, God said, You'll not eat it nor touch it. He did not tell her not to touch it. She's a Pentecostal. 
You shall not eat it nor touch it lest you die. And the serpent said, you shall not surely die. Is he lying? Yes, yes he is. For God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw the tree was good for food. Now look at what it says, and I'm going to tell you something. That's true. It was tasty. So what she's looking at is true. And it was pleasant to the eyes. So was the woman next door. Reenas don't understand. My marriage has not been doing good, and we're not getting along. And he came along, and he just, oh, he just gave me the comfort I needed. I don't care what he gave you. You're married. Boy, it's quiet in here. I would, you know, we had two police in the first service. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a police? And every time you arrest somebody, the guy in the back seat ain't never done nothing wrong. I don't know why I'm back here. I just need a little money. I just, all I needed was just a little bit of money. I mean, I ain't never going to do it again, I promise. I just didn't have no money, and I got to pay my rent, and I'm hungry, and my kids and my babies are hungry. And I just came by, and I just thought, you know, a little bit of money in there. I ain't going to get much. I'm just going to steal it. Well, why don't you just get on your face and pray and let God give you some money? Why don't you go get a job? Hallelujah. I try to get a job. Well, pray about it. In other words, there ain't no excuse for what you're doing that's wrong. Are y'all out there as you go home? You got to quit making and blaming everybody for where you are. And yes, she did look good. Woo, pleasant to the eyes. Oh, you bet, baby. And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate and gave to her husband. We know the rest of the story. All right, I'm going to read it again. Let's read it. As though it never happened. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. And the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? And she said, every tree we can eat of the garden. Uh, uh, and, 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 but the fruit that's in the middle of the garden, God said, you'll not eat it. And the serpent said to the woman, you, you'll not surely die. God knows in the day you eat that your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. She turned to the devil and said, no, nah, I don't want it. I got fifteen hundred acres of trees here, and I and I'm not. I'm just not going to do that. Be very different today, wouldn't it? Why would she say that? Because God said. What does how it looks have anything to do with it? How does your circumstance change what God said? It doesn't. God said. Don't eat it. You know your tithe is not yours? You know he told you don't eat it? So some of y'all starting next Sunday need to start tithing. Because as of now, you think he lied about it. Well, I'll go broke. We'll go broke. You won't. Y'all out there as you go home. You know, there's times in my life when everything looked like I'm right. I'm going to tell a story, and I'm not trying to get all the men excited. I've been approached by 36, 24, 36. God, she looks good. 
You know, you're a maintenance man and you find yourself in a lone in an apartment with a girl that has about as much clothes on it as a cotton and an aspirin bottle. And she looks and says to you, my husband will not be home till midnight and your marriage is not doing good and you had not had sex in six months. You're thinking 1 John 1, 9 work real good right now. And she looks good and she looks desirable and she's very tasty. But a scripture popped up. Joseph put on his Nikes and ran. And I'm going to tell you all something. I walked out of an apartment shaking, sweating. And I sweat for hours. Everything in me was screaming, go back. Except God said. God said. You talking about feelings? God said, man. Playboy Bunny don't have nothing on that girl. I mean, she's better looking than my wife. No. Now I look back and go, well, I'm glad I did that. Well, I didn't do it once. I did it dozens of times. I've had people in this church walk up and hand me a lot of money to pray for their children. And I handed them their money back. I cannot change what I do because you give me money. The temptations are there, guys. They're there. Now, have I always said no? With women, yes. Well, I've had a few times when I have not done right. Thank God for First John 1 9. Go in there and pick up your Bible and I go, oh, I missed it. I missed it. The only reason I walked into jail one time and I was preaching to the guys in jail and I said, the difference between you and me, you got caught. Imagine God using a man like me to pastor a church. Imagine him using you. I'm basically done. Not quite sure I thought about how to close this out. I want to ask you to do something with me. I don't know where you are. But the, but the, the, the temptation to compromise is strong in our society today. To be quiet to not talk about things that are important, to not be the only one in the room that's decided to buck establishment and status quo. And I'm going to ask you to do something with me. America needs to change. I don't have a voice all over the earth, but I have one here. I've determined to obey God for this simple reason. Our life here is short. Mine's shorter than some of y'all's. I don't have long before I'm gone anyway. I've just decided, well, if I'm going to live it, I'm going to live it for God. No matter what's going on in America, no matter what it appears, I'm, I'm going to stay on the straight. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing because the temptations are out there. If you're in here today and you're a baby Christian or you're not born again, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to come forward and I want you to pray a sinner's prayer. And I want you to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I'm going to tell you something. 
the, the, the greatest days of your life are ahead of you. I didn't quote a scripture, but I'm going to just quote it. Jesus said, if you build on the sand, I want all of you to listen to me very carefully. If you're building your life without your Bible open, it will crash and burn. Do you understand that? I've been doing this for over 30 years. I can give you a list of people who used to come to this church that crashed and burned because they didn't pay attention in church. I don't want to. I'm not going to. I don't want you to be a stat. Paul, you will not be a stat. Zach, you will not be a stat. Diego, you will not be a stat. If you're young right now not married, let me make a statement to you. If you're not in love with your Bible, you're headed into a disaster because you are not God. If Lisa and I didn't love Jesus, we'd be history. Marriage is hard and life is hard. Life is hard. But I decided 45 years ago, and I picked this book up, and I built to the best of my ability on this word. I built on this. I built my finances on it. I built my marriage on it. I built my raising my kids. I built my marriage on this book right here. If it's in here, this is what we did. And when you get married, you need to give your wife a doctrine test. If she can't pass it, don't marry her. How are we raising our kids? How are we running our finances? What are we going to do when we have a disagreement? Fight. And you're going to have them. And don't run home to mommy. She's going to side with her daughter, and he's going to side with his mommy. My baby, my baby, my baby. And create more trouble. Lisa's mother was very wise. She had a problem with me. Lisa did. I don't know why. She went home to her mom and her mama said, fill all the stuff out you like. And it was a long list. Thank you, Jesus. And she says, fill out the stuff you don't like. And one but two. We'll talk later. <laughs> but her mama gave her great wisdom. She said, go home and work it out. Let me tell you something. You go home and work it out. But had not Lisa loved her Bible, our marriage would not have lasted. Because you know, and I'm saying this with all the grace I can, there's times she has actually been wrong. And she's going in there and picked up her Bible, and the Lord said, what did I say? And she came back to me and she said, I'm wrong. I said, thank you. And vice versa. There's times that I've been in, I went to a counselor one time, talked to her. The lady looked at me and said, you're wrong. And I went, I'm not. <laughs> she said, you are wrong. And she opened up a Bible and talked to me for a little while. And I went home and apologized to Lisa. I've been a jerk. I'm sorry. Thank God. Thank God for the word of God. And you, and you better build on it. 
because storms will come. Storms are coming. Folks, America is headed into a worse storm now than it's ever been. I want to know you're going to make it. Say with me, I will make it. I'm going to close and give this to Lisa. If you have not had a love affair with your Bible, would you do something and get in love, fall in love with it again? Buy the truth. Do whatever you can to find out what he said about what you're going through. And then make the adjustments you need to make. And I'm going to tell you something. You'll look back and go, thank God we did. I have a very, very good wife. Now, she's not perfect. I have worked diligently. And so has she. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for the Word of God. I married a good woman. I married a woman that loved God more than she did me. I'm going to pray over you, and I'm going to pray over us, and I'm going to give this to Lisa. I want you to have a good life. I want you to enjoy your life. It says in 1 John, he says, I wrote these things so your joy would be full. When you're out of fellowship with God, your joy is not full. And you can't get it back with dope and marijuana and you can't do it. So let me pray. Amen. Father God, I have preached. I have actually preached my heart out. I took a subject that I really didn't want to preach on truth and preached it because I, I see what Rick Renner says. It's extremely necessary. And I, and I listened to what Brother Copeland said and I realized this is necessary for the days we live in. I pray that everybody in the sound of my voice right now in this room and watching by internet would make a decision to fall in love with truth, absolute truth, and come underneath it. I'm not going to sit in their house and decide what they should and shouldn't do, and, um, but I pray that they, they, would, they would listen today and make some adjustments if need be. All of us need to make adjustments all the time. Father, thank you for a church that, that came together on a Sunday to listen to, to a preacher preach a message that means that we're going to make changes, not always run aisles and jump pews. And I thank you that many people in the sound of my voice have made changes, and their life has borne fruit because of it. If there's anyone in here today not born again or not ready to meet you, I pray that you would deal with their heart. And get them up here and get them underneath your authority so that when they stand before you, they'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If there's anyone in here not living right, I pray right now for the grace of God to come upon them. For them to make the adjustments and make the, make the changes that are necessary. And I say with my mouth, I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus. I love you, truth. May my life exemplify it to where if someone doesn't know the Lord, they can see me and see you in the way that I live. I pray that I would be the grandfather to my grandsons and my granddaughters that I need to be. I pray I would be the example to my sons and daughters that I need to be. And the mistakes that I make, I, I pray they'd have grace to overlook them and follow my faith. In, as they grow older in life. And I pray everyone in this room that has grandchildren, that they would be a light in the home they go back into and open up a door for them 
to share the Word of God with the people they love the most. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. I just, I just love this season, don't you? I think it makes everybody think about the goodness of God, Jesus. Hopefully, people in the world even see it, even beside Santa. Amen. Um, how many lines are on a piece of paper? 26? How many lines are on the front side of a piece of paper? Line paper nobody knows? Somebody said 26, but I think it's 26. But anyways, in his defense, I, I, in his defense, 26 lines. Six lines on the other side of the things I didn't like. Not two, six, but on the other side. She said, now turn on the other side, write all the good. 23 or 26 lines. I filled up the whole page. Amen. Like, well, maybe it's not so bad. 6, 26. <laughs> Amen. Matthew 1:21 says, and she'll bring forth, Mary, she'll bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. N-O, no Jesus. N-O, no peace. K-N-O-W, no Jesus. K-N-O-W, no peace. He said, peace on earth. The angel said, peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. Truthfully, in the Greek, I believe it says, peace on earth towards men of goodwill. He did not bring peace to the earth or the earth world system. Peace on earth to those who receive him. People of goodwill, you'll receive peace. It will not be peace everywhere. To those who don't receive him, there will be no peace. So this morning, as my altar workers come forward, if you do not know Jesus, K-N-O-W, he wants to save you from your sin. He wants to wash you in the blood. Figuratively speaking, he has paid the price, but you can't receive the benefit of that price unless you receive him. If I were to give you $100,000 and it's for you and it's in your name, if you don't come up and receive it from me and take it from my hand, you'll never receive the benefit of it. Jesus has already paid the price. He has taken your sins. He's washed you in the blood, but he just needs you to receive him and say yes. If you're here this morning and you don't ever remember a time doing that, come up this morning. If you're here with someone that you're not sure that they've done it, you come up with them. Don't leave them to be doing that alone. Say, come on, we're not sure. Are you sure? Ask them. We're here to make disciples. Ask your neighbor. Ask your friend. Ask the person sitting beside you. Have you ever asked Jesus to be Lord? Have you ever received him as Lord? I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to take a few extra minutes. I was on an airplane. I do not like asking people cold turkey. This is just me. I don't like asking people cold turkey. If you were to die today, do you know where you would go? That's not my personality. I like somehow the conversation to weed around to it so I can interject and talk to them about the Lord. But my time was running out on an airplane. And I had been praying the whole time. I had a two-hour flight from here to Utah. 
And I said, Lord, the, the conversation's not getting there. Two young boys sitting beside me, 112, 113. And they were Mormons. And I knew they weren't born again. I didn't know that much about them. And I said, the Lord, the, the conversation hasn't come around. I can't seem to get in with these two little young boys that are playing video games beside me. And their mother and father were not on the plane. They were sitting with me. So I know I had an opportunity. And he said, why don't you just ask them? I said, well, it's come to that. <laughs> so I looked at the two boys, both of them. I said, because by this time we had gotten friendly and familiar enough. And they kept trying to lean over my seat, which I'm on the window, to see they've never ridden a plane before. So they wanted to see out the window. So I would let them. So we got comfortable enough, and I said, boys, I need to ask you a question, because we're coming down on the 30-minute, you know, ready to go. And uh, ready to land, I said, boys, I need to ask you a question. If you were, if this plane were to crash today, now, I used the plane, so it worked. Do you know where you would go? We hope we would go to heaven. We hope. Are you sure? Nope, we're not sure. So I said, would you like to be sure? I took their Mormon Bible, because they had one. And I opened it up to John 3.16. And believe it or not, it was in there. It was in there. There were some other things added towards the back that were not good. But John 3.16 was in there. And I read it to you. I said, you've ever read that? No, we never read that. And they read it in their own Bible with their own eyes. Even John 14.6 was in there. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That was a miracle. They read those two verses with me. They said, wow, that's all we need to do? I said, yes. I found out later that the boy's mother, because their parents were separated and divorced, was a Baptist. I think she'd been praying for him. And I brought them both to Jesus. And I say that because we're supposed to make disciples of all people. Every day when you have an opportunity. And all it took was for me to be a little uncomfortable and, and ask that age-old question that I think is dorky sometimes, but it worked. It worked. Jesus said, are you just, just say it. Just ask him. What if they go to hell because you feel like a dork? I mean, the Lord is, is burning me up inside. And he's like, just say it. And I led him to the Lord. And then as I was descending, I got very sick and I threw up in one of those bags because I didn't do well on airplanes. And at the end of the trip, when we landed, one of the boys said, ma'am, I'll take your bag and throw it away. And I said, why? Well, I'm so embarrassed that I did this in front of y'all. They're like, it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> we, <laughs> we always wanted to see somebody throw up in one of these bags. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, now that I've totally ruined the atmosphere of the service, if you don't know Jesus and you're not sure, or if you need prayer for any reason, you feel like you've fallen away from God, you're not close, they will pray with you this morning. Get you back on track. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, 
and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.